Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're considering the first part of the Sermon on the Mount recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus laid out the guidelines of Christian living. He's going to talk a lot about conduct in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but before he gets into conduct, he talks about character because it's character that produces conduct. Our conduct always flows from our character. The things we do on the outside always are initiated on the inside. The sermon intro is called the Beatitudes. That's taken from a Latin word that means blessed. And in most English uh, translations, the best word for blessed is the word happy. Not a happiness that the world gives, not externally, but that thing that comes from within. C.S. Lewis said this, all that we call human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. That's true, isn't it? History, trying to find someone other than God to make him or her happy. And we know that true happiness, true satisfaction, true contentment, true peace resides within. And whatever we're going through in life, and we're always going through a lot of stuff, always through a lot of stuff, whatever we're going through in life, there's that contentment, there's that peace, there's that satisfaction that resides right here within, knowing who we are and whose we are. We said all along that these beatitudes uh, are presented in a logical, spiritual sequence. The first three deal with our spiritual needs. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritual beggars. Blessed are those who realize, who come to the point in their spiritual understanding where they realize they can't, they don't have anything to offer God. They are totally depraved, we call it in theology. There's nothing in us that's good enough for God. On our best day, with our best effort, we cannot work our way to God. Blessed are those who realize that, poor in spirit, spiritual beggars. When they do, blessed are those who mourn, because when we realize our sin, we don't like that, or shouldn't. We mourn our sin. We grieve our sin. We take responsibility. We recognize it. First of all, it's sin. We're a spiritual beggar. We take responsibility for it, and then we repent of it. We leave it. We turn the other way, and we walk toward God. Blessed are those who are meek is the next one, humility. You can't come to God in pride. And so we come to God in humility. We lay down our pride, humility before God, and also humility before man, both vertically and horizontally. So the first Three Beatitudes paint a picture of a person who realizes he or she is a spiritual beggar and they humbly grieve their sin. The fourth Beatitude is a turning point. When we get to that point of grieving our sin, then we realize the world doesn't offer it, I can't get it myself, and I turn to God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. There is a longing to know God. We call that justification. There is a longing to know God more intimately. We call that sanctification. There is a longing to know God forever, to spend eternity with Him. We call that glorification. And when we long for that, when we desire that, when we move to God, God never turns us away. He's the one who satisfies us. He's the one who fills us. He's the one that gives us that God-produced internal satisfaction regardless of the circumstances. And when he does that, and when we realize that he's the one who worked in our heart, and when we realize there's nothing we could do, it's all him, none us, then we 
realize we've received mercy, and so what do we want to do? We want to extend it. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Compassion plus action equals mercy, not just having compassion. You can cry your eyes out over a situation and be unmerciful. Compassion plus action equals mercy. Grounded in the gospel, always grounded in the gospel, always starts at home because if it doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. And then you can take it beyond the walls of your life, of your home, of our church. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Here's where we are today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, what in the world does it mean to be pure in heart? When you read the word heart in Scripture, most often it's used as a figure of speech to represent the headquarters, the control center of a person. When you think of the word heart, when you see the word heart in Scripture, think of mind, what we think our intellect, emotions, what we feel, our desires, and will, what we do, our decisions and actions. When you see the word heart, mind, emotion, and will. The heart refers to the whole person. The whole person. And so we say words like, um, I am in love with that person with my whole heart. Um, that person stole my heart. They stole my thinking. They stole my desires. I I am following with with my action. That person broke my heart. I'm thinking about that. I'm irritated about it. My heart hurts, and my actions show that. I am heart sick. We might say a person had a change of heart. That means their thinking changed. Their desires changed. Their actions changed. Our heart aches sometimes when we're burdened. It impacts our whole person. Sometimes our heart is heavy. It impacts our whole person. Sometimes we say a person worked on a project and they put all their heart into it. Their thinking was involved in it. Their desires were in it. Their actions were in it. Heart represents the whole person mind, emotion, and will. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. They are in. Emotions, their mind, and their will are all what? Pure. Let me give you three words to describe purity. The first word is clean. Purity refers to that which is spotless. It is innocent. It is flawless clean and free, free from guilt, free from immorality, free from hypocrisy, free from duplicity, clean, free, and complete, whole, undivided, unbroken, unmixed, pure, clean, free, complete. How many of you watched the uh, last uh, um, American Pharaoh, right? See the horse? Anybody see that? Good, because that's why I'm giving this illustration. Now, and if you haven't seen it, it's not going to make any sense. <laughs> Marion Pharaoh won the Triple Crown, first since 1978, right? Long time. An American Pharaoh is an American thoroughbred, a purebred horse, not mixed. Bred for years to be pure. And a thoroughbred is, is bred for ability, and speed, and spirit. Well, what a great description of a Christian, right? 
Jesus says, I, want, I need you to be a thoroughbred in heart. I need you to be in your thinking, in your desires, in your action, pure in heart, wholehearted, undivided. I need all of you. I need your love. I need your commitment. And I, and I will settle for nothing less. So young adults, some of you are in the dating process and you are getting close to that, that one person, right? How would you respond, young ladies, if one day he drops to his knees and says, oh man, I got him. I've got to marry you. I want to spend all my life with you. I love you with half of my heart. <laughs> man, I'm so committed to you. You don't know what you do to me. I'm about 75% committed to you right now. <laughs> or even, you're the one for me. Boy, do I love you. About 99.9% .9 of my heart. It's all yours. You would walk away from every one of those, wouldn't you? A lot of you are having graduation parties, so you invite us to come, and Lori and I say, man, we would love to come. What do you have? Well, we always ask first, what do you have? But uh, we would... <laughs> We would love to come. We would love to come. And, and we're going to come, but we can only drive about halfway there. We would love to come to your graduation party. Be sure you have enough food for us, but we're going to park on the street and not get out of the car. You'd say, ridiculous. Unless you are out of the car, unless you are in with us, sitting at the table, engaging in conversation, eating the food, don't come. And so it is with Jesus. Divided love's not just good effort. Divided love gets no attaboys or girls. Divided love is not pure. It is mixed with something else. Divided love is not love at all. It's holding out. There's a competition against something else, some, someone else. There's a divided allegiance. You can't be all in for Christ, kind of, when it's convenient, when it works into my plans, when there's no sacrifice involved. Don't ask me for that. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not introducing a new teaching. He is just repeating what the Father taught in the first two commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You, read it with me, you shall have no... That was so weak. Let's start again. You ready? <laughs> you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number one. And then the second one, Jesus, or, uh, God says, you shall not make for yourself an image in any form of in the form of anything in heaven above or, uh, or earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a what? Jealous God. I don't share you. I don't share my wife. I am jealous for her. You don't share your husband. You are jealous for him. And God says, I am jealous for you. I, will, I love you so much. I've got so much for you. I've given my son for you. I don't share you. You're mine. And you'll always be mine. So a man came to Jesus in the New Testament. 
Instead, all these commandments that we follow, all these laws, so what's the greatest one? Thinking he could kind of catch Jesus out. And so Jesus says the most important one is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Be all in. Because half love is no love at all. So how does this work? Purity in heart. Sounds kind of hard, doesn't it? How does this work in real life, right, where we are? Well, there are two parts to being pure in heart. Two critical parts. Let's check these out. The first part of being pure in heart deals with our position. Our position in Christ. So that comes when we trust in Christ alone as the only way we can have a relationship with God. We realize we're a spiritual beggar. We mourn our sin. We humble ourselves before God. We yearn for righteousness. We trust in Christ. We realize that Jesus died for our sin on the cross. And we trust in him as our substitute. And when we are in our position in Christ, Jesus died for the penalty of our sin. He died for the penalty of our sin. He did that one time for all time. And when we trust in Christ, then we are this beautiful phrase that we like to use, we are in Christ. That never changes. We have been justified. That's our position we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Justified. That's a, that's a perfect tense. That's a, that's a past tense. Something that happened in the past that has lasting impact. We are justified. That can never change. And all of this, all of this is by grace. It is a free gift of God. We can't earn it. We can't, we're spiritual beggars. We have nothing to bring to the table. It's all a gift. It's all by grace. Our position is all by grace. How many of you, before an eternity passed, decided that you were going to be born? Life's a gift, right? God gave it to you. There was nothing you could do in eternity past to say, I'm going to do all these things so I can be born. And so our spiritual birth is a gift. God gives it to us. can't earn it. It's all by grace. And now we're in Christ and we have this new identity. We like to call it safe with two S's. We are significant, not because of who we are, but because who Christ is. We are secure. That will, we will always be a child of God. Our position will never change. We are accepted. We don't have to be accepted by friend group or any of that stuff. That's secondary in our life because we're accepted by Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Man, the guilt's gone. And we're empowered. God lives, now lives within us. He gives us the power to do everything he's calling us to do. We have this position in Christ that never changes. That's the most important question I can ask you. Do you have that position in Christ? I'm not talking about, oh, I walked an aisle or I signed the card or, or I went through the flipper flapper at vacation Bible school. Have you trusted in Christ alone? It's the only way you can have a relationship with God. The most important question you can answer. That's your 
position. First part of purity in heart. Here's the second part. Second part of purity in heart is, what do you think? I'm giving you some words. Give me some letters. Practice, right? So position is a one time for all time. Practice is living it out. So in my position, Jesus has paid the penalty of my sin. As I live it out, man, I still have this propensity to sin. I got sin that dogs me. I, I, every time I try to, every time I think I, I battle, I, I, I got to engage it in battle. I got to do battle with it every day of my life. In, in, in my position, I've been declared not guilty. That's, a, that's not going to change. But here, it's a process. And we call that process sanctification, holiness. I'm, I'm trying to be more like Christ. Grace is everything. Uh, grace is that gift that God allows me to have the position. And now here, in practice, it, it's grace in what? responsibility. I, I got skin in the game. I want to stop there because what it sounds like is God saves you by grace and then you got to work to keep it. Not the deal. It is his grace that allows me to live this life. And, and so let's put a new word here. How about, how about grace ability? I like that. You guys like that? I don't care if you like it or not. I like it. Grace ability. And so that means God's grace now in me allows me to live the life that he's called me to live. So, so I can't do it on my, I can't come to Christ on my own. My position is all by grace. I'm set there. Now I, gotta work, I wanna work this thing out by grace. I can't work it out on my own. But through his grace, I can partner with him. Through his power, I can do the things he's called me to do. But it is a constant battle. And so purity in heart is our position and our practice. Here's a passage that sums it up. Galatians chapter 2, 20 through 21. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. That is our position. That does not change. It was as if I was on the cross with Christ. He died for my sins. He paid the penalty for my sins. That happened. That's my position. That will never change. And I will drive that stake deep. And anytime I have doubts, I'm going to go back and I'm going to drive it deeper. Jesus died for my sins. The penalty has been paid. That, by the way, is in the perfect tense. Perfect tense. This is why language is important. Perfect tense means completed action that occurred in the past with present and lasting results. Action that happened in the past, completed action, happened in the past, but it has present and lasting results. I have been crucified with Christ, my position, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Crucified is in a perfect tense. One time for all time. Life, or live rather, is in the present tense, which means an action in process. An action in process. I continue living. 
I continue fighting the battle. My position doesn't change. I'm always a child of God. Now in practice, I'm fighting the battle. I'm engaging in those things that drag me down. I am not going to lose that battle again. Oh, I lost it. By God's grace, I ask his forgiveness. He comes back. He gives me the power to do it again. God, I cannot handle this thing on my own. By your grace, give me the ability to do that. Grace, ability. I got to drive this down. Let me, let me give you some other points here. Pure in heart, position and practice. So my position deals with the penalty of sin. One time for all time. Done when I trust in Christ. Doesn't change. My practice deals with my propensity to sin. You got your weak areas, I know I got mine. And I'm always in battle with them. And sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. But it's that constant battle. I'm in process with that. That is the practice of the Christian life. I want to stay pure in heart. Here's another one. My position in Christ is settled for eternity. I don't have to worry about that anymore if I've truly trusted in Christ. My practice is moment by moment. Um, isn't it? One thought at a time. How in the world did that thought get into my head? One action at a time. Why did I do that? One desire at a time. Lord, I don't want to desire that stuff. Here's another one. My position is one time for all time cleansing. God said, not based on the work of Christ, not guilty, clothed in righteousness. When I see you, you are my child. My practice is a continual acknowledgement of my spiritual condition. I'm a sinner. And I got to keep in the battle. I got to stay in the battle. I want to keep assessing where I am because I want to grow. One more. My position in Christ declares the war has been won. You have been justified and uh, perfect tense, done, and you have been glorified. We're as good as in heaven. We're just in this middle spot right now, living here on earth. My practice while I'm living on earth is engaging in the daily battle because I want to be pure in heart. I, I don't want... I don't want to displease God. I don't want to be disobedient to God. My daily battle is this grace ability. I must engage in the battle against my inclination to sin and live with an undivided heart. That is my call. I cannot say my position is in Christ. Oh, I'm a believer. But my practice, well, I, I, I kind of got one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. My practice better have some resemblance to my position or continually engaging in the battle or continually going back to make sure that I'm where God wants me to be. That's what uh, John says in 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 9. So John in 1, 8 and 9, verse you got to know, is talking to believers. He's talking to those who their position is done. It's, it's settled. But then he says, if we claim to, now in practice, if we claim to be without sin, because there are some people who do that. They live above sin, heresy. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? And then James says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just 
and will forgive our sin and purify us from unrighteousness. That's talking about practice. Every day, there are times I need to say, Lord, I just blew it again. 1 John 1, 9. I am confessing my sins, and you said you are faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me for all unrighteousness. By your grace ability, don't let me do that again. Or let me do it fewer times. Dull that desire. Dull that bad thinking. Don't let me go down that path again. Practice. Pure in heart. My position is in Christ. The penalty of sin is gone. One time for all time. Never changes. Justification. Pure in heart. Practice. Propensity is still there to sin. By grace, ability, I can do anything anything God's called me to do. And that's an ongoing battle. That makes sense? Position, practice. Many of you know who, uh, who this man is, right? Bruce Jenner won the Olympic decathlon in 1976 Montreal Olympics. He even made the cover of Wheaties. Big deal. But things changed in the last years. Jenner went through three marriages, one to a Kardashian, which explains a lot, and went through an identity crisis. Here's a picture of him in his later years. And then just this week, Bruce made the cover of Vanity Fair and broke Twitter by coming out as Caitlyn. Bruce now thinks he's Caitlyn. You can do a lot with makeup can't you? Been a lot written this week about Bruce, a lot by Christians, a lot by Christians not actually applying blessed are the merciful. Jenner's denying, you guys know where I stand on this, he's denying he's God, his God-given identity. But the best thing I saw this week was from Franklin Graham. Listen to what Franklin Graham says. In Vanity Fair's cover story about Bruce Jenner, about Bruce Jenner's gender change, the author talks as if Bruce and his newly chosen identity of Caitlin are two separate people. Bruce's son, Bert, said, I have high hopes that Caitlin is a better person than Bruce. The article also says Jenner openly acknowledges mistakes made with his children as Bruce and expresses genuine regret. I have news for him. Changing the outside doesn't change the inside. No man-made modification can fix what's wrong with the heart. Only God can fix a human heart. If we ask his forgiveness and accept by faith his son, Jesus Christ, he will wipe the slate clean. The Bible says, therefore, if any man is in, be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You, you can do a lot with makeup, can't you? You can, make a, you can make a man look like a woman. That's sad. 
And you can make a Christian look pretty much like the world. That's sadder. A man can pretend to change his identity. That's sad. And a person who has a position in Christ and is a new creation in Christ can look a lot like the old person. That's tragic. That's why there's so much confusion today, right? That's why six out of ten people around us say the church is irrelevant. By the way, they're not saying the building on the hill at the South Hills or that building at, at Wheeling in Maine or the PTI building or, or that Wheeling down on Center Street in Wilkinsburg, that, that building is irrelevant. They're saying we are. We're the church. We're irrelevant. We, we claim something, but it doesn't make any difference in our lives. Anyone here wearing any... Uh, any makeup, spiritually speaking? The makeup of spiritual lethargy confuses those around us, doesn't it? Anyone here spiritually lethargic? See, a growing Christian is going to be in the Word, going to be in worship, not when it's convenient, not when it works out in the schedule, because wholeheartedness means that is my schedule. That's my priority. That's where I start the day. That's where I start my life. Christianity doesn't fit in. It's right here. Word, worship, connection, serving. 250 opportunities to serve in vacation Bible school in our, in our church. Kidding me? Sharing the message of Christ. You see, you, you say you got this position, but, but I, I, I've never heard you share Christ with me. That's why I'm not for sure if it's relevant to you, because I know you talk about other stuff that's important. The Tesla, that's a cool car. I just haven't heard you talk about Jesus. You see, Jesus calls you to be pure in heart, in position, in practice, so you look like the person he made you to be. Your spiritual identity is in him. In him, you are significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, empowered. That's who you are. We like to talk about being broken all the time. Jesus came to fix us. You know why we like to talk about being broken? You know why we like to talk about being broken? Because if I talk all the time about being broken, then I have a good excuse for my sin. Now, I am broken. But Jesus came to fix me. He died on a cross to fix me. I'm not broken anymore. My identity is in him. I am significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, empowered. The makeup of materialism confuses a lot of people, doesn't it? Our position and identity is in Jesus Christ, and we look more like the world than anything else. So, So I've been gone a couple weeks. So I'm just going to be really honest with you guys, okay? As opposed to what I've been doing to this point. <laughs> you look every week in our budget, and we're good. We're good. We're kind of making it. Paying our bills. And sometimes I think, Lord, 
seriously. A church with the resources like we have, barely, yeah, we're kind of ahead. A church with the resources we have, and we're having to wait to figure out how we're going to do another multi-site. Are you serious? See, that's because so few Christians are really willing to sacrifice. So few are so willing to be involved in beyond these walls. Got other things to do, right? So are we really in or not? You see, Jesus calls us to be pure in heart. And, and, and by the way, if you don't want to give your money here, that's fine. But he calls you to give your money and sacrifice. So give it someplace. Find a good place and do what he's calling you to do. If it's not here, I hope it is. But if it's not, fine. But it's got to be somewhere. Jesus calls you to be pure in heart, all in. So you can look like the person he made you to be, not with the makeup on. The makeup of career gets confusing to people. Some people sell, they Here's what I know about some people, Christians. They are wholeheartedly undivided into their career. Boy, that's not a mistake. Sacrifices all over the place for that. They're just as cutthroat. Don't make any sacrifice they need to for their career. And so the world gets confusing because they say, time out, time out, time out. See, God, I think God made you to be this person, but with all those makeup, you, you don't look like the same person. Jesus calls you to be pure in heart, position and practice. You can look, look like the person he made you to be. You are significant, secure, accepted, forgiven, and empowered by him. Young adults, the makeup of just fitting in is confusing. Some of you would rather have a large friend group than stand with Jesus Christ. And so you put on all your makeup and you don't look like the person he's called you to be. Hookups promiscuity, locker room bravado, one night stands, living together before marriage. It's not quite the upside down life that God calls us to, is it? College students, man, we are happy to have you back for the summer. We've got some great things planned for you. So let me ask you a question. How'd your year go? Did you take a stand for Christ? The makeup of compromise and putting your faith on hold is confusing. How about relationships within your family or friends or neighbors? I talk to people they haven't, they're irritated at a brother or sister, haven't spoken to them for years. Seriously? That's confusing, isn't it? We're called to be merciful, we are a new creation. Our, our spiritual identity is in Christ. We're called to be different, upside down. It's not just a good title for a sermon series. We are called to live an upside down life. Marriages, keep them together. Because I gotta tell you this, when we can't keep our heterosexual marriages together, we lose our voice in homosexual marriages, don't we? You see, we're called to be different. It's called sacrifice. It's called wholehearted. How's your conduct? 
James says those who consider themselves religious and yet do not have uh, do not keep a tight rein on their tongue to see themselves and their religion is worthless. James doesn't pull any punches. He says, man, if, you're, if your practice isn't looking like, if your practice isn't looking like your position, you better go check your position. Pretending. Pretending is so confusing, isn't it? Duplicity is hypocrisy. And Jesus, read the Gospels. Jesus extended forgiveness to the most immoral person, but to the to the religious hypocrites, he did not back off one bit. Whitewashed tombs, brood of vipers. Man, he did not hold back. He called them hypocrites. He borrowed a word from the, from the Greek theater. Play actor. You are a play actor. You're pretending to be someone you're not. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 says this. Submit, your, submit yourself then to God. Humility. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Engage in the battle. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Grace ability, right? Can't get it done on my own, but I can get it done with his grace. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Jesus died for the sins we're committing. That makes them serious. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before God, and he will lift you up. You see, we can live like those who have a new identity in Christ. Jesus calls us to be pure in heart, in position and practice. So you can look like the person he made you to be. Who are you? You are significant. You are secure. You are accepted. You are forgiven and you are empowered and the pure in heart are all in for God. And they're the ones who will see him. Because they get it. Their position and their practice are matching up. 